0: It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody. It's always, always good to have you here. On the show today, one of my favorite people, veterans lawyer Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking Veterans Disability Benefits, as well as Social Security Disability Benefits. A founding partner of Jackson McNichol, he most recently appeared as a guest of the Ben Glass, of Ben Glass, (laughs) on the Consumer Advocate Show, discussing benefits for veterans and Social Security Disability Benefits, and how his practice allows him to make the difference in the lives of people facing disabilities. Francis has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox network affiliates around the country. He has been quoted in USA Today and is listed in Cambridge Who's Who. Francis was honored by the National Academy of Best-Selling Authors with a Quilley Award for his, for his contribution as a joint author to the best-selling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans, Disability Compensation. In 2017, Mr. Jackson was also inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. For more information, please visit veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Bert. It's always a pleasure to have a chance to talk with you.
0: Well, you know what? Again, uh, I always say this, but I mean it. Uh, The work that you guys do is super important. Uh, not that, uh, you know, not that lawyers don't, not that other lawyers don't do a super important work, but I think making the government honor their promises to our veterans is so important, especially some of these veterans that come back with, with physical, uh, injuries, mental injuries. Uh, they, they risked it all for us and now, uh, you know, they're trying to rebuild their lives. And and the thing about it is that that touches me is not only are these veterans putting their life on the line, but most of these veterans, a lot of them have families uh, that depend on them, that, that that these families are waiting for them to come home. So they're on the line, too, because they have to live with the fear that, hey, they're mother, their father, their brother sister may not come back. And so that's why it always touches my heart, the work that you guys do there. So again, thank you so much for stopping by. All right, let's get into it. I wanted to ask you about this because it seems like scams are everywhere now and i understand that there are people scamming veterans charging them fees for uh for claiming to help them uh, with disability claims and and some of these people they're not authorized to do anything uh, so give give us uh, some background uh what is going on and is there anything that can be done about that
1: sure bert but uh <clears throat> excuse me before i do that can i just uh, make one comment on your your comment about families, there was a, a cute piece on the Today Show the other morning. I, I don't know if you happened to catch it, but um, a, uh, a gentleman who had been posted overseas uh, showed up at his kid's school, and he was wearing their mascot suit so, you know, nobody could see who was inside the suit, and uh, he uh, he's in his uh, – I think it was a first-grade child, uh, his son – um, and so, a little little into the clip, uh, he takes off the the mascot uh, mask, you know, head thing, and uh, the kid can see it's his dad. and he, The kid rushes over and tackles him and he yeah. gives him a big hug. It was a it was a great piece. But, it was so, a
0: wonderful piece. I, you know what? And and uh, I believe it was a tiger, but yeah, it's it's a wonderful piece, and I think that not enough of these pieces are. Are being uh, shown. I wish all the news organizations would show these clips for two reasons. A, they're uplifting, as all get out. It shows the importance of families. It shows, um, you know, the the yeah, the importance of families, and, and also the fact that veterans are not in some kind of vacuum. That that these service men and women are not in some kind of vacuum. They're not just young single people. Some of these. Some of these people have mature families. They have multiple kids. They have these kids that are waiting for them, and so yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a, you can't look at that piece and not just feel better about life.
1: It's true, Bert. I, I'm I'm glad you saw it because obviously you did since you you saw the tiger suit. <laughs> yeah, it was great.
0: All right, so let's talk about scamming our veterans. What's going on, and what can we right. do about it?
1: Turning turning to a less much less happy subject. Um, yeah, what what's happened, Bert? For a long time there was a federal law that made it a crime, a federal crime to charge a veteran uh, a fee. Uh, originally, um originally back in the 1860s it was charging a a veteran a fee more than $10, but um in later years it was amended charging any fee that wasn't approved by the Department of Veterans Affairs and so that was the law and and there wasn't you know there's always been some low-level scamming of any any situation where there's being money exchanged as as I'm sure you know but but um, it wasn't a big deal for for many years. What happened is when they passed the uh, law creating the Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims back in 1988. They also put in a provision allowing uh, veterans to retain an attorney and to pay them, and they've modified that a few times about the circumstances. But when they did that, they repealed the law that made it a crime to to charge a fee other than the $10. So... What has happened is a bunch of folks around the country have figured out that even though you have to be authorized by the VA to represent veterans, there's no enforcement mechanism if you uh, say that you're representing veterans and you charge a fee and it's not approved and you're not accredited. So um, the... Result has been that there's been this enforcement vacuum, and nobody is really going after these folks who are preying on our veterans by telling them, "Oh, we'll get you compensation benefits, and you know, just uh, send us a thousand dollars or send us a hundred dollars a month for the next six months or whatever it is." Um, so lots of uh, lots of these scams going on, lots of money. Um, this Estimates that veterans are being illegally charged millions of dollars in a, in a year now. So it's gotten to be a big deal, and the uh, the enforcement, uh, because there's no enforcement mechanism at the federal level, has fallen on the state attorney generals, and they they you know really don't have a a practical way to enforce it. They they don't have a law against it either. Um, but those are the folks who get called because these scams are going on. So, what's happened recently is finally um, the VA has has gone to Congress and said you really need to have a law making this illegal. And there is proposed legislation, and you know how they are now with these acronyms for laws. But this yeah. one's called th- this one's called Guard and stands for Governing Unaccredited Representatives Defrauding Veterans. So, the Guard Act. So, anyway. Notwithstanding the stupid name, uh, it's a pretty good piece of legislation. And what it does is make it a federal crime, again, for people who are not accredited by the Department of Veterans Affairs to charge a fee to veterans for purporting to help them with their uh, veterans' benefits claims. And it's uh, It's been a big enough issue on the radar at the different state attorney general's level that 42 state's attorney generals have gotten together and signed a letter to Congress saying, this is a great piece of legislation. It ought to be passed. Um, and uh, the attorney general for D.C., which obviously is not a state, also uh, joined in, as well as the attorney general for American Samoa. So uh, 40, Forty-four attorneys generals have uh, gotten together and asked the, uh, the Congress to uh, approve this law. Um, and as you can appreciate, because of the number of states we're talking about here, it's bipartisan support. Um, you know, red states, blue states, um, competitive states, whatever, whatever states you want to pick, there are some of them uh, whose attorney generals are supporting this act and i I am very hopeful that that's going to pass because we've seen a number, particularly older veterans, who were taken for substantial amounts of money um, by people who weren't accredited and didn't do anything for these folks other than to tell them to file a form they could have filed themselves um so it's it's just it's been very very sad, and the VA has gotten a lot of pushback um, from other groups and agencies, saying, "Hey, why aren't you doing anything about this?" And they just keep saying, "Because we don't have any authority to." So this uh, this would create a uh, a federal enforcement mechanism to uh, to go after those folks, and I am very hopeful that a it will pass, and b that it will be vigorously enforced to eliminate these folks who are preying on our veterans, especially our elderly veterans, and, and those with uh, mental health issues. It's it's just been very sad the last few years. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I'm going to link this in the show notes here. Uh, Senator Boozman, John Boozman, um, is the one who sponsored that bill. And yeah, I I hope. That it flies through, it's still uh, uh, in its early stages, and and um, but it would be great if everybody listening today would reach out uh, to uh, Senator Boozman and supported him, letting them know that this is important not only to our veterans but to their families and really to America because, dang it, you know it's it's just. Um, one less thing that our veterans have to deal with and and so anyway so i'm going to put this in the show notes i find it very offensive and very important so yeah i'm glad you brought that up um all right so let's talk about this is it true that the va is having difficulty processing claims filed electronically by their veterans now
1: well you know the uh as you know the, the va has had records issues for years and they've They've, in, in fairness to them, they've made real efforts in the last few years to uh, to improve uh, their whole record processing system and to get things more electronic and make them more effective. Uh, but uh, they've still got some issues. And, and one of the ones that has most recently come to light is the uh, BA acknowledged recently that A number of folks who had filed claims on VA.gov, their electronic site, had um, been the subject of a glitch in which, Hmm. yeah, the form was filed and it's there, but uh, the part of the system that was supposed to move that claim on for processing didn't work, and so... There are something like 32,000 veterans who filed claims as far back as 1988 whose claims are just kind of sitting there. So the VA has now figured that out and um, has uh, issued a, a public apology through their uh, press affairs person and is now scrambling to uh, to get to work on those claims. But it's just, you know, it, the, the problem is, and we've talked about it before, the v a is just such a big, unwieldy bureaucracy that something goes wrong somewhere just because there are so many possible things to go wrong you know right. uh, it's like their uh, their attempt to upgrade their their uh, health record system and make it compatible with the one at Department of Defense so that you can have a seamless handoff from um, Department of Defense military records, and then when that person retires, move them over to the VA system. And you know they they've spent a ton of money on that, and uh, they they um, asked for I think it's 1.9 billion this this uh, budget time because the uh, the system that they had uh, been working on in the last few years and had deployed. Uh, at At a couple of test sites failed just failed there 's no no nicer way to say it just um, was not uh, was not working so it 's back to the drawing board for them and more uh, more money more effort and hopefully they will eventually get a system that works but it's it's been you know they're they're close to ten years into this now trying to trying to build a a workable system that merges the Department of Defense records, or you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, etc., into the VA system, and it's just been a nightmare. Um, I don't know how many um, tech folks have come and gone you know, over the course of this, but uh, it's been a lot. They just can't seem to make it work, and so. The, the good news is that on the claim side, um, there hasn't been the same level of problems, and better yet, hasn't been the same uh, volume, which is a, uh, an even better thing. So uh, the bad news is there are about 32,000 of these claims that have been sitting around with no processing. The good news is they finally figured that out, and they're going to process them. So hopefully we're we're moving on to a better result.
0: Yeah, hopefully. You know what, and this is one of those things that that is unfortunate, but it's government-wide. You know, our government, even our our air traffic controllers, (laughs) you know, there was a documentary on how woefully behind they are uh, when it comes to being computerized. And, and, yep. and so it's not just the uh, you know the veterans, the, uh, the VA. And to your point, the VA is so huge, isn't it? Like the second largest department in our government.
1: Yes, that's true, Bert.
0: And, and so it's, it's this massive, massive monster that, as you you know, as you said, first of all, there, there's something constantly there's broken, there's a fire that needs to be put out while at the same time you're trying to move forward with, with changes and you have the bureaucracy of, uh, of dealing with Congress, because you and I have witnessed, just, just like the, the, the Guard Act, something so insanely easy and practical should just fly through. There shouldn't be any issues, but there will be issues. It will be slowed down. Somebody's going to put a, is going to attach a rider to it. You know, it's it's yep. nothing is simple. Nothing is easy when you have all these uh, not only bureaucrats but you have all these interested parties. So um, it's too bad, but yeah, hopefully, like you said, they'll you know they're slowly but surely working them moving forward with it and working it out. Hey, um, you and I have talked a lot about the PAC Act. And just as a refresher, why don't you tell us what the PAC Act is all about and how is the VA doing with the PAC Act?
1: Sure. Um, the PAC Act, just as a reminder for our listeners, is a uh, law that was passed and went into effect last August, a year ago. And the primary thing that it does is to provide um, compensation benefits and health care benefits for people um, with various kinds of adverse exposures, and that included a group of folks who were exposed to the early um, radiation experiments um, by the uh, by the government uh, many years ago in the 40s and 50s. It included a group of folks who were exposed to Agent Orange, but hadn't previously been covered by the Agent Orange uh, Presumptions Act. Uh, particularly people in places like Guam, Thailand, and the troops that uh, weren't supposed to be there but were in Cambodia and Laos. Um, So it also provided um, presumptions for more recent folks, particularly the folks who served in the Middle East and were exposed to burn pits um, where we uh, burn various kinds of waste, everything from Destroyed vehicles to, uh, uh, little literally, uh, literally hospital waste and such things. So um, that's that's what the act does. Uh, there's also a separate provision that that we're not really dealing with here uh, that provides a right to bring a civil suit if you uh, were stationed at or. Um, lived at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina in the period from uh, I think it's 52 to 87 off the top of my head when there was contamination in the water that was not acknowledged by the government until many years later. And a lot of those folks uh, got got pretty sick and um, a number of them of course died of various things. Um, But putting that aside, the uh, The PACT Act, uh, in in the terms we're talking about, Veterans Benefits Claims, so far, there have been 843,000 of those claims submitted. Um, 360,000 of them have been approved, and the rest are either um, denied or pending, depending on which which bucket you're looking at. So, um, it's... um, it's quite a you know it's quite a uh, significant expansion of the va's uh, uh, benefits coverage uh, in addition to the the veterans who have been covered for themselves there are over 5000 of those claims that have been approved for um, surviving uh, uh, spouses typically or uh, children under 18 for uh, veterans who are now deceased. So lots and lots of, uh, lots and lots of uh, claims that have been submitted, a fair number that have been approved. Um, The um, approval rate according to the VA for claims under the PACT Act to this point is about 75%. Um, You know, obviously there there are various reasons why the others haven't been approved, but um, the uh, the the bulk of the claims that have that have been submitted and processed have in fact been approved. Um, there are also uh, on the healthcare side, um, they have done over four million toxic exposure screenings uh, over the last year, and uh, they've done almost two million of those for people who claimed a and exposure to uh, some kind of toxic event, whether we're talking Asian orange or radiation or burn pits or uh, uh, some of the other more esoteric uh, narrower provisions that are in the PACT Act. But that's the uh, that's the the general uh, kind of overview. The uh, the other thing uh, that uh, is significant out of it in terms of the healthcare coverage. Um, there have been a, uh, a large number of folks who uh, have now been added as um, what the VA calls enrollees, um, what we would call uh, members in a in a uh, typical uh, insurance coverage plan, but uh, enrollees in uh, in the VA priority groups for healthcare. Um, we've we've talked about this at one point way back, but um, the VA has a whole series of groups in terms of eligibility for health care. Basically, uh, group one pretty much gets everything there is that you can think of for health care. That kind of goes down from there to group seven where you might someday get health care possibly depending on if the moon is in the right phase or something you know it's it's one of those but uh, um you know in 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 real world terms um in the enrollees in the in the groups that actually get uh, real care, <laughs> there's been a very significant increase so uh, you know that's a that's a big deal they uh, they added uh, three hundred and thirty two thousand new enrollees in the last year. Based on the PACT Act, which is a lot of people uh, to get healthcare, so you know it's a, it's an ongoing issue, um, and what uh, is going to obviously continue to happen is that those claims are going to continue to be submitted, and they're going to continue to be processed. There are uh, lots of them still pending that have been submitted, but it's really a a very very significant step forward. By the government, uh, I I was thrilled to see that uh, that Joe Biden kind of led the charge on this and uh, uh, got help from both sides of the aisle, you know, Republicans and uh, Democrats who uh, came into the uh, uh, came into the uh, process to support uh, uh, the uh, passage of the act. So it's it's really been a, a very I think uh, uh, bright spot in uh, that you were pointing out earlier has been a difficult uh, political scene for a number of years, but they, they actually did the right thing. They did it bilaterally. They did it, um, fairly expeditiously for the government. But, you know, it, it, uh, it's, it's just been one, one more thing that, uh, the, the Biden administration I think should get high marks for.
0: Yeah. Outstanding. I, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, and and I've mentioned this before, it really irritates the living daylight out of me when you have politicians who have never served who are in charge or can impede the progress of the VA. And, you know, President Biden I I can't remember if he served, but I know that his son served, right? Uh, I believe that Biden served. Yeah. Um, And and so I think that when you are a leader, a politician, and you have served or your family has served, the VA has a a, a completely different meaning in your heart.
1: I, I think that's true, Bert.
0: All right. So, uh, Let's talk about this. I understand that you have a you gave a presentation on disability claims to the National Special Forces Association. I I just love that you did that. So, talk about your experience. What was this about?
1: Well, um, <laughs> this this was an odd one, Bert. Um, we uh, we represent a, a veteran who uh, uh, has uh, has continued his interest in the military hardware after his uh, service. And what he developed was a special training program for military units on using foreign weapons. And so um, the military uses this uh, contractor, uses him as a contractor to train um, military units that... uh, Tend to be on the on the kind of the cutting edge, whether it's special forces or uh, one one group that uh, they've done a lot of training for is is the uh, the paramedic folks who get dropped in when uh, when things are uh, are nasty and uh, there's a lot of combat going on um, and you know those folks uh, tend not to have a lot of weapons training. They're primarily medically trained, but <clears throat> The special training that he does, uh, his his organization does, is to teach people to use foreign weapons. Um, the theory being that if you get dropped into a hot spot, it may not be possible to resupply you with medical. Uh, I'm sorry, with uh, with ammunition and uh, replacement weapons and so on, and so it's important to be able to use um, the uh, Weapons that uh, would classically be available from uh, the enemy forces that you might be dealing with, so that you could literally pick up the gun and, and know what to do with it. Uh, and so he uh, he runs this training program, and we've been representing him, and we we finally uh, got his uh, his benefits maxed out this year. But one of the things that uh, he did as a thank you was he invited Alex and I to come up to a special forces uh, event uh, last fall where they were doing a a uh, modified version of this um, foreign weapons training uh, for uh, this uh, special forces uh, uh, association these are these are mostly uh, folks who were former members of the special forces but a few still on active duty and so uh, Alex got to fire the uh, the uh, AK-47 and uh, various other foreign weapons. But uh, uh, all that by way of a long lead up is how we got invited to do this special forces presentation. But the uh, the presentation was for the national group and we were invited by the uh, president of the group that was the local group at this training we were talking about last fall. And he... he uh, uh, liked some of the stuff that we uh, talked about informally after the uh, after the event, and so got us hooked up with the national group for this presentation. And it was a two-part presentation. Um, the first part was uh, by a, another gentleman about uh, the filing of claims, and then we did a half-hour presentation about um, the appeals and then the questions and so on after that. But we we got a chance to talk with these folks about um, how the appeal system currently works and the various um, different tracks and the decisions you have to make. And it's it's gotten really quite complicated. Um, used to be, you know, you had your claim, uh, it was decided, if it was denied, you appealed it, and it went to the Board of Veterans Appeals, and that was the process. Now, if you have a claim and it's denied you have to decide on one of three different tracks, higher level review, um, the uh, supplemental claim track, or the appeal to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. And then if you pick the Board of Veterans' Appeals, then you have to pick one of three tracks there. Do you go just based on the evidence that's already in? Do you submit additional evidence? Do you ask for an actual hearing with the board where you can actually talk face-to-face with the judge? And so it's gotten very complicated. And um, so we were giving a presentation about that and explaining how the different parts and pieces work and what we recommend and when we recommend um, going in in one direction versus another. And so we we got a chance to do that and then we got a chance to uh, take questions from uh, individual folks. Um, And interesting, one of the ones that came up multiple times was the uh, the PACT Act. Um, I think I mentioned that the act went into effect last year, last August, and that one of the things it did was to extend the, Orange, the Agent Orange presumption to folks who hadn't previously been covered, folks in Guam, folks in Thailand, and so on. And a number of people had situations where what the VA had done is they had a claim pending for several years mm-hmm. Um, particularly from Thailand exposure, but also, uh, I think, uh, at least one from Guam. And the VA granted their claim based on the effective date of the PACT Act in August of 2022, but ignored the fact that they'd had this claim pending for several years before the PACT Act went into effect based on a claim that they'd been exposed to Agent Orange in Thailand or Guam or wherever. And so we were explaining to them that the only solution to that was, in fact, to appeal and um, get the board to look at the fact that the claim that had been pending, you really had been exposed, you know, in Thailand, and you ought to have an entitlement to an award of uh, back benefits before August of 2022. So that's, um, that was what that was all about. It was a, it was a very interesting evening. Uh, and I, uh, I, uh, you know, I had a, uh, a nice chance to interact with some very nice folks, and some really, uh, uh, some really great people, actually.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so Alex got to fire the AK-47. What about you? Did you participate in any of the uh, weaponry?
1: No, I watched, but uh, <laughs> I, her, uh, I, I, I this is this was really funny, Bert. You know, these these guys are all uh, almost all ex-military, and right. You know, because it was it was primarily um, military veterans, and uh, so one of the one of the events that they had was a uh, target shooting, and you know there was this one guy who was just way ahead of the pack, uh, just nailed it every time, but uh, Alex, who uh, has not had much exposure to shooting, although my former partner uh, taught her to shoot. Um, you know, she certainly didn't have the experience of most of these folks. She tied for second. I was very proud of her. Wow. She's a coward. Oh,
0: my goodness. That's incredible. That is but she, incredible. She, she that,
1: that, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean no, to I was going to
0: say, I'm blown away because she competed with some of the elites of the elites. That's incredible.
1: It was really pretty amazing, and uh, you know, she uh, she had to fire this uh, Russian machine gun and uh, this uh, Benelli combat shotgun. And, um, it, was, it was really quite a day. God,
0: that is awesome. That is awesome, Francis. We're out of time, but it's been a pleasure talking with you, catching up on what's happening with our veterans and uh, and 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 uh, the work that you guys do there at veteransbenefits.com. Um, again, congratulations to Alex doing a fine job coming in second place against literally some of the best in the world. Anyway, thank you so much for stopping by.
1: My pleasure, Bert. You take care.
0: righty, Good stuff there from veterans lawyer, Francis Jackson. Let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help our veterans. Let, let us, Let us hold our government accountable when they need to be held accountable. Check out veteransbenefits.com. Share this veteransbenefits.com with literally with anybody that you know is in the military. Maybe and hopefully they will never, ever need somebody like Francis Jackson. But if they do, they can go there for free. And um, anyway, good stuff there. Please, let's share this episode. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.